Welcome to the CSC Podcast. I'm Zudi Buari, producing artistic associate at Classic Stage Company. In this episode, we have special guest Stevie Walker-Webb, director of our upcoming production, Black Odyssey, written by poet and playwright Marcus Gardley. That's coming up on the CSE Podcast. Hey everyone, it's Zudi. Uh, with us here is the incredible Stevie Walker-Webb, who we're beyond excited to have at CSC. Hi, Stevie. Hey. My first question is, you are an award-winning director, a playwright, you've done exciting work in and out of the U.S., and you most recently directed Jordan Cooper's play Ain't No Mo on Broadway, one of the best experiences I've literally ever had inside a theater. Thank you. Um, I'm I'm curious, what led you on this amazing path as an artist? Ooh, um, that's a big question. Uh, I think I, I grew up in a neighborhood where there was a lot of culture, um, a lot of uh, music, a lot of uh, art, a lot of love, but a limited amount of resources. Mm. And so art and as a tool of expressing yourself was just like, it was just always what was around. Um, I tell people all the time, the first play I ever, the best theater I've ever seen was like going to my church on a Sunday morning. Yeah. Like growing up in the Bible Belt in the deep South in Texas in a small town. You know, you go to you go to any, any good church on Sunday, you're gonna get some real, real theatrical sermonizing. You know, you're gonna get some great music. You're gonna get some, um, some people, some uh, parishioners, you know, talking back to the to the reverend mm. um and that was really how i learned to um to appreciate theater honestly like when the first time i saw a play um the first play i ever saw was carmen jones um oh, wow. Baylor university was doing a, a like a, a production of it and i was like oh my gosh this is just like church and so i started like singing along <laughs> and like talking back to the to the to the actors on stage and i didn't know i didn't have it i had been trained that like there was an etiquette right, right. and i'm like air quote etiquette right um of how to like uh appreciate or enjoy a play um and um and i was told to be quiet and i remember feeling like you know like something was wrong with that and so now every play that i make i try to disrupt that idea that a play is something that you're supposed to just consume um augusta ball talks about like um how the the audience is supposed to be a spect actor not a spectator right Ooh. that your job is to to engage with the art that you're consuming and so um I don't even remember what you asked me, but... No, but you answered the question. Cool, cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, and honestly, it just reminds me of Ain't No Mo because the second I walked into that theater, that's exactly what it felt like. It felt like I was going to have a different experience than what is expected of an audience member. Um, and it just felt, honestly, like revolutionary. <laughs> um I mean, so much, so much credit is like to Jordan. You know, Jordan Cooper is like I, I say, he's one of the great American playwrights. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the, that's his first um, published work. It's his first play that's been you know produced at that level. And he's so young to think about like what he's going to grow into as an artist and all the other things that he has to offer um, the theatrical canon is really exciting to think about. But um, he's he is a transgressive and revolutionary prophetic writer. You know, and so like yeah. my job as a director was just to like to make sure that I, I put something on the stage that exemplify like all the creativity that's in his brain. So it's really cool. Yeah. Um, Marcus Gardley's black Odyssey. Yes. Is a reimagining of Homer's epic poem, the Odyssey 
Can you tell me about your journey with this play and what it's about from your perspective? Um, the first the first time that I saw Marcus Garley's work, I was in Chicago. He had a production of The House That Will Not Stand at Victory Gardens. And I flew to Chicago just to see the play. And I remember when the the lights came up and everyone began to file out of the theater. I sat there for at least like 15, 20 minutes and Usher had to tell me to move because I was so <laughs> struck by just the power and the poetry yeah. of his writing. Um, at the time I was in uh, grad school at the new school, um, getting my, my degree in directing, you know, fast forward to the future, to now rather, and uh, to be given an opportunity to work with this luminary playwright that I, I respected for years and looked up to and to now to now really be able to, you know, um, see him as a colleague um, and a collaborator is just it's incredible. Um, he 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 is just he's another gift to the American theater. Really cool. Um, I was grateful to sit down and witness the first rehearsal uh, where we did a meet and greet and a read through. And I was in awe of the energy in that room. Uh, can you share a little bit about how the first week went and any exciting discoveries you made so far? I mean, first of all, like the, the company, this cast is just like an all-star cast. I mean, we're working with, you know, you, we have Harriet Defoy yes. playing, um, playing Aunt Tina. Queen. Athena, right? Yes. Um, you know, the, the goddess of war. Um, and you know, you, you have, you have her, uh, embodying this, this, this Titan. Um, and she is a Titan in and of her, of her own right. Her yes. Own court, Watching you know? her on P Valley. I was like, Oh my God. What she does with language Ugh. is, is she masticates. Like she like chews on the walls of the text mm -hmm. and just like makes you, you, you hear metaphor and the music of it in ways that like, yeah, yeah, it's just not the same as me like prepping at home, reading, <laughs> reading in my bedroom, right? Yeah. Um, but the company is is just really, really incredible. Um, you know, Linda Tillery, you know, um, the musical director, this woman has over 50 years of experience in the music industry. She's performed and composed for everyone, you name it, she's done it, you know. Um, and to be able to, you know, she's flown all the way from L.A., to, to work on these original arrangements that, you know, that she's created for this, for, for Marcus. And so um, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting among, you know, people that I've looked up to forever. It's a dream come true to be working with, with folks like this. And you feel that in a room. There's so much love and so much respect. Yes. Like we're, we're having church. We're playing games. We're kicking. Um, the play is so joyful. It's an incredible, incredible cast. That first rehearsal was just such a great example of, how how to start a process to me because the way people were breathing in that room the way people were listening it was like really powerful i thought and you mentioned linda tillery in the music this is not a musical right not technically yeah <laughs> it's a playsical yeah. um it's 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 not a musical in the sense of the only um instrument that we have well, we have two instruments we have the actors voices right and then we have um, the djembe, which is being played. So we have this percussive element, right? Mm -hmm. um, and everything else, every other sound that you're going to hear, um, if there's like, um, you know, like the bass line, well, you might have a guitar. You have voices, um, you know, uh, singing or humming those elements, um, you know, where you might have a violin. Linda, Linda has like so expertly like composed like vocal 
harmonies and parts to to kind of like um, supplement. And that's by design. So you 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 know, it's very much like CSC. You go off in that space, and you know, y'all respect the space. It's like Peter yes. Brooks. We don't want to change the space too much. You know, it's the natural elements that are there. It's wood and brick and earth, and um and so musically, she's doing the exact same thing. What she's asking the 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 actors to bring like the elements that their voices have to 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 the song and so um it's gonna feel like a musical but like in a like form breaking way it's really really exciting to me it really feels ancient because this is how they did it then Mm. they added music they added greek chorus and all these things and it feels like it's it all comes together in this like reimagining in a really cool way yeah for those who don't know, CSC was actually supposed to begin rehearsal for Black Odyssey on January 10th, 2022. Uh, but because of timing of the uh, Omicron COVID variant that sort of swept the city at the time, uh, we, be- we began rehearsal on January 10th, 2023. A lot can happen in a year, I think, even though it went by pretty quick. Uh, but I'm curious if you have any new takeaways in the last year that you're hoping to bring back into Black Odyssey now. I think I think the most exciting thing about the postponement is that there were actors and artists that we may not have had access to at that time. Oh, interesting. You know, um, Adrian uh, has just uh, finished um, second season of, of, of a TV show, um, and now because they're in between shooting, she's available. You know, um, yeah. Harriet's in between shooting, so she so she's available. You know, so there there's there's uh, there's the beauty of. Um, what that postponement did. And I guess what I mean to say about that is that like everything happens in, in God's time and when things are supposed to happen. Like, um, this company, this is like the people that are around that table that are on that, on that studio floor. They're exactly the company that like I dreamed about. And wow. so it's such a beautiful thing to, to look around the room and see every single person in that room are people that I really want to be in that room. So I'm grateful for that. Um, but in terms of the text itself, it's really evergreen. I mean the the messages, um, the the things that the themes that are inherent in that text, they're as relevant today as they were when Marcus wrote it like ten years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, so I mean, um, I've had more time to sit with it and think about how to make it as as, as exciting as possible, yeah, um, as joyful as possible, as accessible as possible, um, because it's it's very meta. It's meta theater, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, like it's it, what I love about it is like Marcus isn't spoon feeding you. You're going to have right. to actually lean in and pay attention. I hate theater that I get ahead of. I'm trying to like inject it with so much speed and kind of raucous joy that it just like rolls and tumults forward. Um, and then the text is already doing that. And so I've had a lot of time to like literally sit and just just map out every single moment, how I want it to be so that that extra time is I was grateful for that yeah. um you know and then like with the feverish way that you know Anima went up and then unfortunately had to come down quickly you know um all that prep time uh, on Black Odyssey before Anima was so useful because like yeah. Anima you know it opened it closed and then we went straight into rehearsal so if I hadn't had that time I probably would be feeling a little bit crazy but right now I feel really ready for for an audience to see this yeah yeah me too um, and speaking of the audience, I really, I felt like the audience in Ain't No Mo was just one of, uh, it's an experience I'll never forget in my life. I'm curious about 
like coming off the, from that, what are you hoping this audience for Black Odyssey sort of takes away? And what are you hoping? Are you going to invite that sort of same laugh when you want to, <laughs> scream when you want to, say amen when you want to, that sort of thing? And what's your vision? I mean, it's so funny um, because Marcus wrote this play, like, I, I think it was about 10 years ago, right? Um, and so, like, it's it's really funny that um, Anima is a, a magnum opus text for Black America. Mm. I think it contains every struggle we've ever experienced on this continent, every sorrow, every joy, like somehow all of that's encapsulated in Mrs. Bag, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's the same thing with, uh, for me, it's the same thing with Black Odyssey. Like, it's a magnum opus text for Black America. Like, yes. It's like everything yes. that we struggle with, all of our hopes and our dreams are are in that text. And so it's like, uh, I say all that to say that you're going to catch the Holy Ghost when you're sitting in the audience. You're going to mm-hmm. catch the spirit. You're going to you're gonna want to uh, respond. The music is composed in a way where like once you hear those those harmonies in that tune or that those lyrics, if you know it, you can sing along, right? Um, you're encouraged to do so. There, there are a couple of moments, I don't want to give it away, some really exciting moments where the audience is actually, they're actually invited to complete um, some of the soundscape or to complete um, some of the like visual uh the the world that we that we've built they're part of the world they're yeah. part of the world and and the and the the theater the the theatrical space lends itself because of that beautiful thrust that CSC mm-hmm. you know that you're playing with so it's like you're gonna really feel like you're having this intimate experience where your participation is is our is just kind of inherent in how the how the play is written so yeah really cool I have a deep deep love for the classics first I love the poetry of it all of course. Uh, but more importantly, I think there are a lot of classics to me that speak directly to the soul of the human experience first. Um, and now we take this adapted ancient story and we're sharing it with the 2023 audience. I'm curious what you feel like could be the impact of revisiting these Western classics in conversation with BIPOC community like we see in Black Odyssey. Marcus has taken, you know, the Odyssey and dropped it in Harlem. Mm-hmm. You know, and he's taken um, Ulysses' story, this journey about this this man who who makes all of these you know these errors and stumbles his way back to home. Um, this man on this great great quest to to find a safe place to be to return. You know, it's a Sankofa story, even. You know, um, and he, and he's he's brought it to America. He's brought it to Black America. He's dropped it in Harlem. And I think that anyone who watches the play will, will feel like no matter where you are uh, culturally, no matter what you have in the bank or what you don't have, you'll be able to look at the story and identify with what with what um, Ulysses is struggling with. It's so profound in the sense of he, he's taking, you know, um, Homer, you know, the, the Greek, the Greek stories, all of those, those epic poems, um, you know, Euripides, all, all, all of the plays from that, that from that, um, that era of writing um, and that 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 culture, I find to be truly universal. You know, um, there are arguments about authorship if you want to get into, you know, like um, yes. into like, you know, Greek mythos and Egy- Egyptian mythos. But underneath all of that is a, is a, is a true kind of universality. Um, the the um, the thing about the human condition um, and how we how we all share uh, share that at our core. The word universality is I don't know when it became a taboo thing to say. Mm hmm. You know, kind of, it kind of really like ticks me off. You know that we gave that word to, you know, I don't know, to ultra conservative, um, you know, uh, closed-minded 
sections of, of our society. You know, the word universality, like a single verse, right? You know, we all live under a single sun. You know, we all live under a single moon. We're more connected than we ever have been, you know, globalization and like what's happening on our planet. Like, you know, even the ecosystem, we're learning more and more every year that we we either are going to live on this planet together or die on this planet together. And I think that um, Black Odyssey is such a beautiful um poetic way to get a group of people to sit in the theater and breathe around this text that's about human hope and human suffering and um and it's 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 aspirational working on this on this play it's it's like the way that that room feels is the world that i want to live in and the way that the audience is going to 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 feel i believe is the world that i want to live in you know um and so I'm not I'm not thinking about it in the sense of like I'm bringing a story to the BIPOC community um, as much as I am thinking about it as um, I'm I'm illustrating a story that really kind of brings us down to our the least common denominator, which is our human our human experience, you know, and that's the thing about the Greeks that I love. Like I said, like when you look at those classic those classical texts. Like the human condition is the thing that's on on display, right? And yes. it's just like, and that's why those stories are regurgitated in so many different cultures and recreated in so many different cultures across yes. time, because it, they're so accessible to people. Um, and so, you know, Ulysses, I mean, that 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 that's a name that can live in any community, and his story can live in any community. And I think that's what Marcus is trying to say. Um, he's certainly trying to draw parallels specifically to the struggles of Black people. Yes. In America, um, and 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 like lifted up to this kind of mythic scale, you know, to be black in America and to to survive being black in America is certainly mythic. Is certainly you know, and to find home, yeah, in America. It's it's, like... it's 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 you know, it's 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 humongous, right? And um and this beautiful thing that he does is he makes um the everyday struggle of black people in Harlem. He lifts them up and makes makes you know the the you know black women in Harlem. He he makes them into gods and goddesses. Yes, he does. Do you know what I mean? He he, he takes the you know the things that might appear to be uh, not important, right, or like not valuable. You know, if you're if you're measuring it by like I don't know some bullshit metric, <laughs> you know. And he says no, like our culture, our stories, our people, our struggle, our survival. It's 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 mythic. It's humongous, and we're gods. We're gods on this on on, on this planet and on this con- on this continent. So yeah. Honestly, I think that is a great way to wrap this up. Okay. Um, I really appreciate you doing this with me. It's been a lot of fun. I've learned a lot just by sitting here with you. Thanks, man. Thanks again. Thanks for listening, and thank you to Stevie Walker Webb for joining us on the CSC podcast. Black Odyssey begins previews on February 9th and opens February 26th. For more information, go to classicstage.org. Once again, I'm Zudi Bawari, and thanks again for listening.